Hi, I'm Sage and welcome to my podcast. Here I will chat with you about my adventures in romance and non-monogamy and all of existence really, starting from my strict fundamentalist Christian childhood all the way through to where I am today, practicing relationship anarchy and still trying to figure life out bit by bit. Here you can expect frank discussions about religion, about trauma, about monogamy and of course about sex. I hope you'll have fun, I hope you'll find it interesting and most of all I hope you'll join the conversation. Hello friends, happy February. (laughs) Wherever you are, I hope you're doing well. And I hope you can hear the sound of the crickets over this podcast episode. I'm sitting in my car. (laughs) It's night, it's half past eight at night and I'm recording this intro in my car because that's where I have space to put down my laptop. And I'm holding my microphone in my hand. It's actually a stand microphone, but I'm holding it in my hand, sitting in the driver's seat with a laptop perched on the passenger seat. And it feels kind of magical in here. So much has happened since last we spoke. And I can't wait to tell you about it. But first, I would like to start off by saying... A deep, heartfelt thank you to my friend Fritz, who has just become my first Patreon supporter. Thank you, Fritz. Thank you for coming along on this on this journey with me, for supporting this podcast, and also for being such a beautiful friend in general. I deeply appreciate your comments. Every time you listen to an episode, the feedback you send, I love that. Thank you to all of you who do that. It's such a beautiful gift. And that's been really one of the surprising things that's come from having this podcast is the beautiful conversations that it's led to. The people that I've started meeting, both in virtual space and in real life. What a gift it's been. So thank you for coming along. Where am I? Where on earth am I? If you've been following along on Instagram, you might have an idea. But let me tell you the story first. I think it's a I think it's a beautiful story. Most likely, if you've been following along, you'll know that at the end of last year, I was looking for places to volunteer at in 2022 because I had quit my job and I really wanted to travel South Africa and do the kinds of work that I hadn't been doing, being in an academic environment for so long. I really wanted to not only travel, not only meet new people, not only see my country, but also learn new skills, whether that be gardening or building or sanding down walls, whatever the case might be, just do the kinds of work that I don't usually do. And so I started looking for places to volunteer at. And then my friend Martin contacted me and said I should come and see all the cool things that are happening up in the Lofelt of Mpumalanga province and he convinced me he convinced me because I realized that living near Cape Town I had sort of forgotten about large parts of this country and had only envisioned 
really volunteering and traveling through the Western Cape and the Eastern Cape and had not even really considered seeing the rest of my country. So Martin convinced me to start my volunteering and travel journey up in the north of South Africa in Pumalanga. And then I started looking for places to volunteer here. And then Martin sent me um, the name of this place called Nyalungu African Retreat. And I checked them out on Instagram and I just immediately liked what they did. The little bit that I could see on Instagram. They seemed to be building by themselves a house, a retreat center here on some land. And it just looked beautiful, the slow progress they were posting, the photos of how they were doing it themselves. So I didn't know much about them, but I just immediately for some reason resonated with what they were doing. So I sent them a message on Instagram, and this was in early December. And I just introduced myself, aware of the fact that this would sound extremely random. And I said, hi, Nick and Nicole. Um, I didn't even know who, who, which of the two, it's a, it's a husband and wife team. I didn't know which of the two was running the Instagram page. I was just like, hello, Nick and or Nicole. My name's Sage and I'm going to be traveling and volunteering. And do you need any volunteers? And they didn't immediately respond. And I wasn't really worried. I felt quite a big sense of calm about coming here. But then I was telling a friend about this, a friend who was having tea at my house, was still in December last year and he was asking me what my plans were and so I said to him ah oh, there's this place somewhere near Nelspruit in Pumalanga province and they're doing a thing I'm not exactly sure what but they're building kind of a they're doing some sort of natural building and I'm gonna go volunteer there and saying it out loud made me realize how vague this was was I gonna plan my entire January slash February based on some people I saw on Instagram who hadn't responded to my message yet. So I saw this through my friend's eyes and realized how flaky I sounded. And that immediately gave me a fright and made me decide I should start looking for places to volunteer at in more earnest. So I then created a profile for myself on Workaway. I think I've told you about Workaway before. It's sort of an online, it's sort of a site for volunteers looking for places and places looking for volunteers where they can sort of match up. Made myself a profile there. And shortly I found a place in Gauteng province that would take volunteers in late January, which was when I planned to come. And so we made our arrangements, but somehow I wasn't feeling very enthused about this place and I didn't quite know what it was I spoke to the guy everything sounded fine but I wasn't feeling a sense of warmth or excitement about this place I remember telling myself oh you know if you don't like it it's okay it's only going to be three weeks because I was only planning on volunteering for three weeks because halfway through February I'm going to be doing some freelance work so then I'll be I'll be elsewhere I'll be somewhere where there's um, reliable internet so I told myself you know it's okay if I don't enjoy it for three weeks. I'll still gain valuable experience. So that was already the thinking behind it. I already wasn't so excited about this place. But I decided to give it a go. And at least they'd, you know, responded. <laughs> they'd come back to me and we'd made our arrangements. And then the original place that I wanted to volunteer at, Nyalungu African Retreat, came back to me, responded to my message on Instagram and said, yes, we'd love to have you here. It's so beautiful. It's the most beautiful season we're in the summer rainfalls, when are you thinking of coming? We'd love to have you. 
And I remember that feeling of disappointment of, oh no, I already made an arrangement with another place. But so it was. And so 2022 arrived. And as you know from my previous episodes, it started rough. (laughs) And um, it got rougher. First there was the, the break with my sister. Then there was the break with the mage. I had COVID and I was just generally feeling quite shaken and I just wasn't feeling so good about the place where I was meant to be volunteering at but I didn't want to break my commitment to them and so on the 15th of January I set out, no it was the 17th of January, my dog and I set out and we drove to Mpumalanga and it took us a week and it was such a beautiful experience. Ah. We, um, we, saw, we saw the country. We drove from the Western Cape up, stayed at a friend's house, beautiful, organic, little eco-farm in the Karoo. It was stunning. Thank you, Desmond, for having us. And then after that, we camped in Grafrenet, which is in central Eastern Cape. Oh, so stunning. Then we drove through to my aunt's house in Fixburg, which is in the Eastern Free State. And on our way there, we drove through the worst road I have ever seen. There were more potholes than there was road. At some points I would have to completely stop, recalculate and try and find a way around these potholes. They would stretch from side to side of the entire road. And as we were doing this, we got caught in a thunderstorm. Um, That was very intense. Myself, my dog, a thunderstorm and a bee in the car. Anyway, so third night we slept over at my aunt's house in Fixburg. The night after that... We stayed at my friend Yandre's house, which was such a beautiful experience. Thank you, Yandre. And that was in Gauteng province. And then we finally drove through to Mpumalanga, where my friend Martin, who'd initially invited me, had a party over the weekend. But as we set out on this road trip, on day two, the place where I'd been meant to be volunteering at, the place that I wasn't so excited about for some unknown reason, cancelled on me. <laughs> completely out of the blue that morning he still sent me a message saying oh we can't wait to have you and then an hour later sent me another voice note saying sorry we can't take any volunteers right now and I was already on my way I was meant to start volunteering on the 21st of January which was five days later and the strangest thing was that I felt absolutely fine about it I just felt, okay, well, this is this is what it is. Something will, will come through. I'm just going to go. I'm going to go to my friend Martin's birthday party. I'm going to meet all sorts of interesting people there. Something will happen. Everything will be fine. I'll meet someone. And if nothing works out, then I can always stay at family and friends' houses, you know, until something comes up. Which is very uncharacteristic for me because I'm just not someone who doesn't plan I hate being dependent on other people's kindness. I hate not having a a good plan in motion. But it just, it just felt like the universe was telling me to trust, to surrender. A theme that's been coming up for me over and over and over again over the past few years. And so I continued driving up and I asked 
on Facebook and on Instagram if anybody knew of anywhere I could volunteer. And it was so beautiful how many people responded with ideas or with suggestions and links to places that they think I might volunteer at, with phone numbers of places. Um, but most of these places didn't wouldn't offer um, food or a place to stay. They might take volunteers, but not in exchange for somewhere to stay. And my thing is I need somewhere to stay. And so I kept driving up. Still had nothing. And then on the Thursday, so by then I was already in Gauteng province, Nicole of Nialungu African Retreat phoned me and said, Are you okay? I just saw on Instagram that you don't have a place to volunteer at. And I said to her, Yes, I, don't, I still have nothing. And she said to me, Well, things here aren't going as planned, but how about we meet on Monday and we'll talk then? And maybe we can work something out. Now, when she said things here aren't going as planned, I imagined, okay, well, everything must be in complete chaos. Probably they don't take volunteers anymore either. It's probably not going to work out. But she wants to help, but it's not going to. It's not going to work out. But I'd liked their profile on Instagram so much. I'd like their vibe for some reason so much, even with the tiny amount of information I had, that I decided, well, you know, let's meet on the coming Monday, the 21st, and see, maybe I could still volunteer there. And so I drove up to Mpumalanga, spent that weekend with my friend Martin at his birthday party and meeting all of his friends, still with no idea where I was even going to stay the Monday or the Tuesday. And um, there was this one moment... It was very, very cold that weekend. And I had taken some psychedelics. We'd all been dancing. I was very tired from a week's driving. And I was really feeling that influence of the psychedelics. So I decided to take some time out from the dancing. And I went to lie down in my tent. But the wind was blowing and it was raining. And it was extremely cold. Like I hadn't felt that cold in a very long time. It was like winter weather. So there I was lying inside my tent, tripping, and I look up and I realize that one of the fiberglass poles holding the tent together was starting to crack. I could see the fiberglass poking out, threatening to cut a hole in the sheet of the tent itself. And I lay there. This tent is brand new. I bought it a month ago. It's the only, if I do manage to volunteer at Nialungu African Retreat, that'll be the tent I need to sleep in because they don't offer housing except for tent space. But here I am, my tent just broke. I'm tripping, I'm cold. I just drove across the entire fucking country. My dog is looking at me as if I have all the answers. I have no income. (laughs) I have one tiny little podcast. I just quit my job. Everything suddenly just felt ridiculous. I was lying there thinking, what the actual fuck have I done? Why did I drive across the country? Like, am I crazy? What am I doing? I have no plan. And then I remembered that I'd brought rope. And somehow, in my condition, I managed to cut the rope, tie it around this cracking fiberglass bowl, tied it tight enough that it didn't crack any further, 
sent a little prayer up to the skies and went back to the party and danced. <laughs> and it felt as if the universe was just poking me, just saying, trust. And I'm like, my tent just broke. And the universe goes, trust. And I'm like, I have no job and no income. And the universe goes, trust. And there was almost a feeling of humor to it, just going, okay, life, I get it. Okay, I get it. My tent just broke. Okay, I get it. This is somehow where I'm meant to be. This still has, despite it all, a feeling of rightness to it. And so we celebrated that weekend, and then, and then I managed to stay over at friend's house the Sunday night. And the Monday I met Nicole, and she came to show me what they're busy doing on the farm. And it was just so beautiful <laughs> and just so relaxed. And first she showed me um, the business that she and Nick, her husband, started. They make bags out of tubes and it looks exactly like leather. It's so cool. And then I said to her, well, this is amazing because she offered to let me help and volunteer there. And I said, that's amazing, but... I need a place to stay. And then she was like, well, come check out the farm. Because she's not currently at the farm. She's working from town. And um, we drove. She and me and their two kids and my dog, all five of us fit into a car that was already very tightly packed with all my belongings. <laughs> so the five of us sitting here with all my bags all around us, drove an hour and a half out to the farm on the a very bumpy gravel road. <laughs> I had to drive most of the thing in first gear. And I I remember kind of looking at myself as if from outside my own body thinking, what am I doing? I'm driving on this on this this very bad gravel road in first gear with my tiny little Hyundai i10 with my dog panting in my ear. It's very hot, but I can't put the aircon on because my car engine's not strong enough to drag us up the mountain if I put the aircon on. I don't know this woman from anywhere, but everything <laughs> everything feels right. <laughs> so then we got here and I met her husband Nick and the other two guys working here, Shalev and Luzuko. And um, she showed me around, and it's so beautiful. They're busy building um, the first, the house that they're going to be living in from earth bags. Busy stacking that up. It's a whole process. It's so interesting to witness that. And there are tents up right next to this huge dam. And it's up in the mountains. It's very high. There are indigenous forests everywhere and um, it's rough you know there's a long drop and I would have to pitch my tent and I would have to either wash myself in the dam or we can heat some water for a little makeshift shower and there's no electricity and she said well you can come here if you want <laughs> if you want and I just said okay and so we, I drove them back and I did shopping, prepared myself to come up the next day, spent another night at my friend's place and felt a sense of trepidation, realizing that I really don't know these people. I don't know what I'm signing up for. 
And I think one of my biggest fears was the fact that this is obviously a place that needs help in the form of manual labor. I can't lift things. I feel, I felt a bit like a little do-gooding tourist pitching up here in my little car, my good intentions and my lack of absolutely any manual labor skills, you know. I even asked Nick when I got here, are you sure you have anything for the skinny chick to do? Because I just felt so silly. What, what on earth can I contribute? I can't lift things. And there's a lot of shoveling, a lot of digging, a lot of carting around of wheelbarrows. What on earth am I going to do? Which really is one of my core insecurities is not being useful. I have this fear that if I'm not useful, I'm going to be in the way. And being in the way is terrifying to me. Being annoying is terrifying to me. Taking up space in a way that is not entirely pleasant and useful and wonderful is terrifying to me. And it's a wound that I'm conscious of, that I'm integrating slowly, but it's very much a thing. I always want to jump up and help and prove my, my value, you know. Anyway, so I got here the next day, the Tuesday, officially started volunteering then, pitched my tent and got to know the guys and immediately the pace was so much gentler than I'd anticipated there's so much more philosophizing and a lot less carting around of wheelbarrows and we made fire food that evening and spoke about life and identity and God and cultures and those kinds of conversations just carried on over the past two and a half weeks and I've gotten to know Nick and Luzuko and Shalev. And I've just gotten to appreciate the warmness of their hearts, the gentleness of them, of their souls, and also the beauty of their individual stories. And it's been so incredibly healing. Because the end of last year was really, really difficult. And the start of this year was really difficult. And in a sense, I was probably still am recovering from the breakups that I experienced at the beginning of this year. Every now and again I still feel that twinge when I think of the mage, when I think of my sister very frequently. To some extent I'm still grieving and it's been such an experience being in this space, in this, in this nature, in this vastness, in this gentleness. The earth here is so fertile compared to the Western Cape with its intense winds and its dry summers. The earth is so fertile, the dam is so, the dam water is so nice and warm, the sun is so lovely, it rains a lot, there are little frogs everywhere, but of course it's the people that make the place, it always is. And the people have been, the people have helped me knit some parts of me back together that I didn't know needed knitting, you know. So there are some some themes that I've come, I think, to encounter here. Some wounds that I think I've come to encounter here to realize still live within me and to kind of come and integrate them. Issues of whiteness, how that's come up for me in the past, feeling so separate from my fellow humans in South Africa, feeling kind of divorced from my continent, feeling, and I said, I've mentioned this in some episodes, driving through the countryside near Stellenbosch where I used to live 
and feeling the sense of longing for actual earth. This civilized earth, these rows of vineyards, it didn't, didn't feel true, it didn't feel alive for me. And I, f- I recovered such a sense of belonging and aliveness in, in the space of these two and a half weeks being here. And also such a sense of welcoming. Okay, this is a very, very long intro. What this episode really is, is an interview with Nick and Luzuko. And we did the interview yesterday morning over my phone because I struggled for a long time trying to figure out how I could possibly do an interview with them having only one mic with only one direction and having that on a stand. It would be incredibly uncomfortable passing the mic from person to person. It's not really that kind of mic. Having the laptop there in the middle felt like it would make it very awkward. And then I finally realized, oh, I could just do the interview over my phone's recording app. So what you're about to listen to is an interview I did with the two of them over coffee yesterday morning. And it's not the same, of course, as being here for all of the beautiful conversations we've been having. But I hope it catches something of the experience I've been having and that it captures something of the, the beauty of Nick and Luzuko's beings. And that is really what I want to do in my travels is not only get to meet and witness interesting people, but also get to introduce you to these interesting people. So here it is. So I'm sitting here with Nick and Luzuko. It's morning, it's raining. We've had a beautiful morning so far. We've had coffee and good conversations and the time felt right to try and interview them. So here goes. I'm going to start with Luzuko. And Luzuko, I think, I think the first question I want to ask you is, at this moment in time, with your current understanding and your current space where you're at, tell me who you are. Oh my word, <laughs> who I am, um, uh, I can try, I can, I can try. Whatever, whatever feels right to you right now. Right now, yeah, it's always changing. Um, I'm a seeker. Mm. I'm, I'm, an, I'm an experiencer. I'm, I'm a love vessel. I'm a wisdom appreciator (laughs) Um, I am just trying to have a good time (laughs) that's who I am and just to experience myself through everything that I love yeah that's who I am so it's interesting you said you're, you're just trying to have a good time because just before I recorded You sat here and you said you want to stop labeling things as a good time or not a good time. So what is, what's a good time to you? How do you define that? A good time to me is time outside of my own mind. That's a good time. A good time to me is time where I am being and not doing a human being. Mm. 
I want to rid myself of the attachment to labeling experience as good as bad. But where I want to be, in essence, as a human being, is that flow with what is around me. And <laughs> through whatever means, psychedelics or meditation, I understand that what is around me is almost always jubilant. But the jubilation is never something that is obvious. So my good time in that sense is a space where I can be loving to everything, but I don't have to be excited about it okay. in that way. <laughs> Thank you. That's such a beautiful answer. I want to ask, maybe this is a more factual question. I want to ask, how did you come to be here? Is there anything you'd like to tell about your life path up to this point? Um, how I came to be here was to just choose to trust my gut, <laughs> essentially. Um, life has had so many confirmations for me in how I feel my way through it. It's confirmed itself to me in so many different ways. And so being here right now is just another one of life's confirmations. Um, I am sent by life to a particular place to feel certain things in order for me to come back with certain experiences to apply in my wisdom seeking to apply in my love outlook in my love perspective in my love devotion and so I'm just here trying to find and experience things as Luzu got so if I can experience things as Luzugo as I can, that's a treasure that I can share with Risha. That's a treasure that I can share with Nick. That's a treasure that I can share with the world. The other I am. Mm. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. It feels to me that both of us are here in a kind of a limbo state. Like we've both arrived here following our gut in between other things and that this is kind of a, a space where that is welcomed, where you can kind of come and be until the answer sort of drops. Are you resonating with that? No doubt. <laughs> so yeah, Nick, I'm wondering if, if you resonate with that and if that is part of the intention of the space. Like, What is your intention with the space? What's in your heart for it? Hi. Well, it's weird that you guys are speaking about the gut feeling that led you guys here, that um, you are also in a very much a limbo state. Um, it is exactly that for me as well. I, I came up here on, on, on a gut feeling. I, I, I didn't have the answers to the questions I didn't know, you know. Um, so I was looking for something that I... I really couldn't put my finger on, but it was something that I knew was, and it was something that I knew I could get. So um, coming up here has been very much that experience of, of trusting that gut feeling that mm -hmm. that thing is 
and that thing can be attained. And as I got here, I, you know, started sharing the experience on, on, on social media, Facebook and Instagram. And I guess that's how you guys also saw <laughs> how you guys got to be here because it was uh, this authenticity of my fears being put in front of me and me sharing it with the world that this is what I'm scared of doing, but this is what I'm doing. Um, and um, Luzuko then saw that and he thought, you know what, I'd love to come and give support. And mm. he came all the way from the Eastern Cape in the end of winter and we spent three weeks up here on the mountain building a shack. And um, he came back again in December um, and he's been here now. This is the third month we're going on. And you came here and this is the third week we're going on with you. And we've gotten, it feels like, it feels like it's two parts of the same story. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, two ex the polar opposites, so to speak, um, of the same truth seeking. Uh, so I don't know what it is that we are looking for here, but it is here. Mm. Yeah, so you've set the scene for this space and the beautiful kind of limbo experience that's here, like the, the, there's, a, there's sort of a fertility here, like the, the, the actual soil and the rain and everything, this, this land feels gentle and very fertile, like it's a place where things can be born. And now I'd like to ask what the story was that brought you here? What was the, the journey, Nick, that, that this, this space came about? And what happened for you? What was your growth process in coming here? So, uh, maybe a bit of a background about myself. Um, Nicole and I, um, we're a husband and wife artist team, and we, we take inner tubes from car and truck tires, and we make them into, into beautiful bags and other accessories that we sell to people all over the world. Um, we have been doing this now for, this is the sixth year that we're doing it. We started in 2016, uh, quit our jobs, and decided to make bags out of tubes with two kids. Can I interrupt you? You told me such a beautiful story about how you came upon that idea. Oh. Would you share that? If you want to. Okay. If you want. You don't have to. Alright, cool. No, no. Um, I, I can share. Uh, <laughs> well, so... <ooh>. I <laughs> I can share that. Um, mm -hmm. uh, so in 2016, I was in a very horrible space uh, personally and mentally and life was just not coming together unable to unable to put things um, the way I wanted them to be inside my heart wasn't how it was outside in the world and and I wasn't satisfied at all with the way my life was going and um, so I went and I sulked <laughs> uh, to God and I said I'm not going to do anything until he gives me an idea that um, can bring meaning to my life and can help me change um, how people see things and it was over a, a couple of weeks of me really searching in my, in my heart for what that could be that I found a friend of mine um, who had a depot where he was 
processing old tyres that um, are no longer used. So it's a government type of peristatus um, um, place. So I went there and I saw a bunch of tyres and I saw, and he showed me the tyres and what they do with the tyres and the process of that. And at the back of, of his depot was a stack of tubes. And I asked him, what do you do with the tubes? And he said, they do nothing with the tubes. There's nothing that they do with the tubes. So I asked for a tube from a stack of his tires or from a stack of tubes there and I took it home with me and I cut it up and I thought I could make myself a card holder then I thought no I can make a little bag so I hand stitched a little a little bag and uh, at around 2am when I finished and I drove all the way to Whitbank from Nelspreet to Koshoni Co got there around <laughs> 6am and I showed her Look, look, I made a bag, we can make bags out of tubes. And Nicole thought it was a brilliant idea and um, got a call from her a day after and she told me that she had left her job and <laughs> that we we're going to be making bags out of tubes. <laughs> so yes, that's how it started. And we then went on a whole journey because um, we didn't know how to sew, we didn't know how to, we didn't know how to do any of it, we didn't know what machines to use and we... We found ourselves in Bushback Ridge in a, in, a, in a workshop ran by a, a family there and they taught us the right machines to use and they showed us the right skills to to use and, and, and stuff like that. And we began the process of making the bags um, and we've been doing that for the past six years. And in 2020, <laughs> when the world was ending, we, we, got, we got evicted. Uh, in the middle of everything because um, of the three months of lockdown we were unable to sell bags and make an income so um, we had a landlord who thought we should move um, move out so he could have people move in um, so we we we, we were <laughs> we were moving up and down between three properties um, someone offered a place and then we moved in there and then two days later we told we need to move out of that place <laughs> moved into another place and all of this was uh, <laughs> it was very hard for you know the four five of us it was two kids and a and a cat <laughs> we were moving <laughs> um, and so I sent a friend a message um, and I asked her to please go find me tribal land where I can where I can build a home for my family and other people who might have who who might who might have like minded thinking or intentions um, to come and share the space with with us. And I described the place. I wanted it close to water. Um, wanted it to um, you know to be far from other people. Wanted it to. I just just wrote a, I, I said a bunch of stuff on on, on on the phone call and she called me three months later and she told me that there's a place we have to go and look at and this was the place and here we are now and I've got a crazy idea of building now with earth bags um, so yes <laughs> there's more unknowing to be known thank you yeah I also love how you how you share like the right people just coming at the right times, like how Shalev came. Shalev is, how would you, how would you explain him? <laughs> Such a beautiful, humble person with so much knowledge who just kind of came into your life and 
started showing how to boil with earth bags. He's not currently here, otherwise I would have interviewed him as well. That would have been fun. Maybe I could. Anyway, yeah, I love I love how the things just... What really inspires me... Inspire is not the right word because inspire sounds too fluffy almost. But what really excites me about what you've been sharing is this concept of... Because that's where I'm at right now is at trust. It's a lesson that I'm busy learning. And you said your word for 2020 was trust. And then... You got evicted and then looked for another place and another place. Mm. And the whole time the theme was trust. And then it fell, it came together. And as you share about the daily stuff, I love listening to how it all boom, 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 comes together, but never too early, always like just on time. Now I'm back to Luzuko. And I want to ask you about your performance art. You've told me something about it. And it sounds, I know it's hard for you to explain what really happens. The whole process sounds incredibly um, powerful, but hard to really grab onto with words. But if you could, I'd love it if you could tell us a little bit more about that. And also what you envision for it, maybe. What you envision for your own growth as an artist. Um, so around 2000 and... 18, um, I was pressed <laughs> in my heart with this idea of making art, but I wasn't one for any instruments or singing or anything like that. But I knew that art is what I wanted to do, and I didn't know how to express it. And um, some friends of mine were hosting um, some art gatherings. We used to call it Indibano, and it um, was around PE and Eastern Cape and so on. So around that time, I knew there was something that I wanted to express, and I wanted to express a happening. I wanted to express an advert of the mind. I wanted to mm -hmm. express an advert of the emotional space. And so the one thing that I always was attracted to and I always seem to work with was energy. I love energy in people. I love, I meet you. When I meet you, I first meet your energetic signature, so to speak. Mm. So I knew that that was something that I wanted to explore and I was pretty good at. And so I had this idea. I was going to create a moving picture an animated moving live picture where the audience is going to be a part of this happening, a part of this energy dialogue. And so I'm going to come in and I'm going to be as empty as I can and source out a particular emotion that needs revelation. And me and the audience will do that. I, I try to use melody, hymns, cries, mm. screaming, shouting, dancing, singing. I use every bit of what I can get a hold of in my reality at that point to kind of create something that we all know, to create a memory that mm. can surpass my gender, my race, any kind of box that I can be put in. And it's just a human message. 
and yes that's what came about started out in 2018 and i've been performing now all over the country for about however long up until now um the art in itself and what i envision for it and my own growth within it performance art is never something isn't something that i went to school for um it's something that the more i find it within myself the more it it is demanding me to change <laughs> it is demanding me to change to accommodate it mm-hmm. and my changing is me understanding the real voice that i have in the world and the real voice i have in the world is in my interaction with this medium it's in my um it's in my understanding who i am through it yeah so i envision i envision the whole world coming together man i envision the whole world being or singing in one song and we do that we do that with our own home languages mm. but there's a language energy that is more primordial than our mother tongues and that's the one that i chose to use in order to engage and to relate to other people other me's <laughs> other you's i love that oh, thank you i can't wait to see i can't wait to see one of these performances it must be and i think this this question actually goes to both of you i'd love to hear any responses um it must be challenging to choose to do a thing that comes from a deepest expression of yourself but that is not societally known or like it hasn't it's not mainstream it doesn't have the society's stamp of approval and Luzuko you said that during your performances men get really uncomfortable which I found interesting on a variety of levels but amongst other things I think what both of you are doing in your different projects in your different lives is challenging some concept of masculinity because you're breaking away from man as the provider with a steady source of income with a steady predictable trajectory and that's come up I think in some of our conversations and Yeah, I'd love to hear any any of your thoughts on that if either of you have. Yeah. Um Look, the idea of what a man is uh is is such a a very shifty thing that it's 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 difficult to place to put your finger on on it exactly because it varies from you know <laughs> region to region from culture to culture mm. from woman to woman because mm. when you're a man you must be a man for a woman and if uh, sometimes if if I can't pay for your nails and for your hair and for your shopping then I'm not a man you know <laughs> um uh, or if I can't plant for you food I can't herd your cattle mm. I can't get for you milk from the cattle and then I'm not a man you know um if i can't give you kids i'm not a man if i can't if i can't take care of those kids i'm not a man and what what is taking care of those kids um you know sometimes not being able to buy them playstation games and 
fancy cell phones, you know what I mean, sometimes not being able to buy them food uh, to have in the morning and in the evening, you're also not a man. So it's a very confusing thing, especially for uh, a person who is being told they are a man, you know. Um, and it's been it's been that that has come in um, in this idea of trusting uh, what isn't there uh, or trusting what can't be seen to sort of shape and mold your experience and still having to be a man in the eyes of the world. Uh, it's it's quite a it's a very unfamiliar space that um, that we're trying to you know show to people that there is a trusting in this greater I am that you can fall back into and trust your heart and follow your heart and to or to know that while you're following your heart everything will be provided because uh, the planet is not a man the planet is a woman and women do take care and uh, so we teach men to then take care to 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 be more loving to more patient to be understanding and uh, to be kids again in their hearts mm, so that, that. <laughs> so that everyone can play yeah. yeah thank you i love that lizuko is there anything you want to add um yeah um for me when I when I when I was pointing out that it's a um, funny response that with the art men are weirded out and freaked out and scared about the interrogation of emotional spaces or the interrogation of um, the mind the interrogation of things that are beyond blackness whiteness male female, things that are beyond that. And so what I view, I try and, re- I try and resonate to the human mm-hmm. <laughs> more so than the man. Because I feel like, as Nick has, has, has pointed out, the idea man is, it's what an individual person is able to claim for themselves. That, that, that is what a man is. It's what you are able to claim for yourself as an individual human being. The man that is expected to be and perform in a particular way is somebody else's version of a man. Mm. And that is the most tiring thing that you can be. Mm. And so in this understanding of the woman in me, the man in me, <laughs> and having them interplay and relate, and not me seeing an other when a woman is around, but understanding that this person is as full as I am, is as layered as I am, and is me <laughs> to a certain degree, you know? And so, yeah, for, for, for me and for what I'm about in all things, I'm about the integration, man. I'm about the integration. Mm-hmm. I'm about the integration of the feminine, the masculine, in both men and women. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, the moment we can, in ourselves, get rid of all of these expectations to be, then I think we can allow life to live through us. And there's a thing that we were exploring about being the stage. 
the stage for all of these myth makers, the love, the hatred, the desire, the fulfillment, the ambition, being the stage for all of these things to play and you yourself not <laughs> taking any sides. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, thank you. That reminds me of what you said earlier about being here for a good time, but a good time being all of that, mm. being the stage and all of these stories play out within us and sort of showing up for them with, with play. Mm. I love the theme of play that keeps coming up, mm. like experimenting with all the things that we are, <clears throat> all the roles that have been given to us and then how we can break that mm-hmm. in a sense and come up with new myths, mm-hmm. really. Nick, I've realized I've never asked you, who are you? With your current understanding of yourself and where you're at right now, how would you explain yourself? <sighs> I'm a kid in a, in a room full of mirrors. <laughs> I'm a kid in a room full of mirrors and um, no longer scared. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So one of the big topics that we that keep coming up that have been coming up these past two weeks since I've been here is God. Um, and that's very much in the theme for me of my life and of my podcast because it's something that keeps coming up is my initial deconstruction of my religion, being brought up Christian and then really deconstructing that. And then my rediscovery of a new understanding of God and still still trying to formulate that, still wrestling with it, still playing with it, really. Um, Speaking to the universe, being in conversation with everything that is. And that's something that's come up a lot as we've spoken. Yeah, so basically, I'd like to hear from both of you what your understanding of God is, such as it is, and what your journey with that has been. Like... And I think both of you have had really interesting roads that you've walked in growing and changing your understanding of God. So I'd love for you to share about that. Luzuko, would you like to start? Um, oh, my word. Um, I think that word, God, has been the most prevailing theme in my lifetime period. Mm. <laughs> um, I My home... The home in which I was brought up in was not too religious or Christian. Um, I was actually the first one in my household to be outwardly religious and Christian in that way and influenced the rest of my family members to do the same. Uh, My teenage years, for the most part, I was a youth pastor (laughs) in a Christian church. How did you get to that? (laughs) Um, growing up without my dad, um, I grew up without my dad for a period of my life. He left when I was seven and then came back when I was 17. So growing up without him in that period, I was a very angry and cerebral yet lost child. And, um, I got into some trouble, um, 13, 14 years old. And that kind of led me into another space. And so I found this really charismatic pastor guy 
who spoke and explained to me in a way the Bible and its story in a way that I'd never heard it before, in a way that personalized it, in a way that included God within my own mental reasoning. Mm. And that was, to me, something. And he also played a role of a father subsequently. And so he was the guy that I basically wanted to be like. And he was the pastor. I was ordained as a junior pastor at 16. And it was just, that was what was happening. But through even that, the experiences of understanding what a personal relationship with God entailed um, was the rift that caused me to understand on a broader scale what, apart from under any umbrella of Christianity <coughs> or any sect, I got a chance to understand that there has indeed been a prevailing understanding of and knowing in you and that is propelling you towards your victories, your mistakes, your mishappenings, and every part of what you do. So this knowing I got to understand as a life force that is not only through me, but through everything that I am able to interact with. And so it was a journey of searching for my heart. Mm. That's what I feel like it is. I first had to find every crevice or look under every crevice of my mind in order to understand that my heart, God, really isn't something that I can figure out. Uh But the heart that I was looking for was something that I was living out. And as a matter of fact, it was in further analysis, living through me instead of me living it. And so God became something totally different than after. God became beauty that I am able to recognize and see as part of our creation, me and the other. Uh So, yeah, my journey with God has expanded to encompass all there is and even my idea of myself within this bigger mind of all there is. God is the relationship that my eyes have with everything that I can see. (laughs) That's God. Ah, thank you. God is the relationship that my eyes have with everything that I can see. I love that. Nick, how about you? Well, for me, I'd say the journey really started. I'm also from a very Christian home. Um... My mom, sort of a single parent, raised five kids. um, And, you know, found Jesus and we went to church. (laughs) And I started having an issue with the idea of church when um, I got, I think I was around 16, 17, when... um, got kicked out of church for asking where Jesus was at age 16 because I had a bracelet that was asking that that said WWJD and I was caught in some life situations, teenage life situations that required me to 
you know, answer what would Jesus do in this situation? And I couldn't find the answer to that. And I looked mm. in the Bible and I realized oh, the 17 years of Jesus' life that's missing. Where, where the hell was Jesus for 17 years? And um, that answer couldn't be provided. Uh, the answer I was given was that we don't ask that. <laughs> so I thought it was a very lazy answer from um, spiritual leaders and began this searching of my own for what is where, I mean, you know, the missing parts of life and the missing parts of Jesus's life, especially for me and asking myself whether I felt like I had reached the ceiling of religion and there was something above that I felt was there and couldn't provide for me. So I went on a, on a, on a, on a search and it was around 19 when I got my hands on, um, on, the, on Neil Donald Walsh's book, Conversations with God. And for the first time, I, I felt that wanting being satisfied, mm. so to speak. And um, so it began the conversation with God, and it hasn't stopped. It hasn't stopped since. And I'd say in the past six years, from 2016, what it then became for me was God became that which I love. Um, and it was everything that brought me that happiness and brought me excitement and that joy was the only thing that I was interested in in considering and diving myself into. And what I loved then just became broader and broader and broader and broader uh, to include ants, <laughs> stones, you know, to include human beings whom I've had to forgive. Uh, human beings I thought were bad people, human beings I thought had hurt me, you know. <laughs> uh, and as this idea of love that I am got bigger and bigger, uh, it was able to accept more, more and more, and to allow more and more. And I got to a space where I understood that Everything that is happening is always the will of God. And that God has already done everything that needs to be done. And that we are just merely living that experience. And that experience is, although <laughs> it is done, it is alive. So it, it is able to change moment to moment according to... Mm -hmm. But it is done as well. You know what I'm trying to say? It's so complex and that's where that's where God is. And it was a couple of days ago through conversations that we've been having about God that I realized for the first time that um, everyone has got no idea what's going on here. <laughs> that no one knows what's going on here. And that everyone is... Everyone is in a space where they feel they need to know, but they don't know. And everything has been told to us, what, what everything is. As you're a child, what's this? They tell you it's a chair. What's that? They tell you it's a cricket. What's that? They tell you it's a tree. Those things are all things you are told. You even get told a name, <laughs> that you are such and such a person, that this is your name. Um, and it, 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 it's in this recognizing that I don't know and that 
actually no one else knows mm. that you you are able to be filled with knowing i don't know if that yes it's that. from being empty that you get full mm. um and it's been in that space that space of falling back and and trusting this moment that is an absolute present and letting it guide me along the path following sort of like my heart and this heart that i have is the heart that god has created this is the mm. it's this is the image of god that they speak about it's this heart that we all have and we are sharing uh, as the love that we are so mm. the more you follow that which you love the more you are with god mm. and you move in that happiness in that joy that god has created for you so god is happiness god is trust god is joy and everything else is 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 optional and that's what human that's what the human experience is about it's about saying what if what mm. if <laughs> what if so we move away from this to create these bads and these goods that we see but god is all of it and all of it is done through love a uh, very complicated thing to explain but very easy thing to be such a sense of freedom in that realization that like no one knows what they're doing no one like even the the big leaders even like the people who speak with a semblance of authority are just making it up as they go along and not only is there freedom in that but there is also some it's like you said that there's this weird paradox we don't know anything and in that lies the knowing like following the truth of the present and then following the next truth of the next present moment without having to comply to uh, anyone else's rules because they don't know what's going on either i love that that budding sense of exploration that then happens and i think that's also where god is in this in this awakening into oh wow look at this ant it's so cool and interesting look at this stone what there are colors in these stones and like this mountain is so alive and it, god just speaks through it all it's so exciting and the, the sense of play this kind of this this generosity this exploration what you said nick that happiness is god and all the other things are what we made up as we go along which are also good even the jealousy and envy and suffering that we make up in a sense that's also good because it's how we've come to experience ourselves but this is definitely a feeling that i felt since i came here is a big sense of vast generosity that is tremendously healing for me because i tend to the way i grew up was always be very pleasant or be very small don't take up space don't be annoying don't um make things even slightly inconvenient for other people and that's partly been my culture it's partly been societal teachings of being a woman it's also just partly been my family my own heritage that the way i grew up be smaller but what i felt here coming here i was full of trepidation coming here i was like what is what is this what am i going to do like i'm this skinny white chick i can't even lift a rock how am i going to help you build so i came here with like armed with good intentions and i was like you guys 
put me to work, use me, and everything was immediately so relaxed. And that was so healing for me, feeling, oh, I don't need to prove my worth, I don't need to work for it. And it was also for me quite rare experiencing that sense of generosity from from people, but especially experiencing it from men. I'm not used to the ease and the kindness with which I feel welcomed. Does that make sense? And so I, I tried asking you about it. I commented on it and said, I'm, I feel like I can be, I'm never an inconvenience. I never have that moment where I feel like you guys feel I'm an inconvenience. And Nick, you said, yes, that's Ubuntu. And then I asked you to explain it to me because I obviously know about Ubuntu. And I've, I know that it's, that its English definition is I am because you are or I am through others. But that only seems to be like the top level of it. I don't have a deep understanding of it. I know it's hard to explain, but if you could try, I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. Yeah. Ubuntu is uh, it's one of those things that have just been like misused, you know, mm. uh, by Western media and it's... It's, it's like veganism now, you know? It's like... <laughs> it's a cool thing. <laughs> um, uh, it's... It's very difficult to explain Ubuntu. Uh, it is... It's, it's, it's a way of being and it is a, a natural way of being. It's a natural state. Like, <laughs> Ubuntu is the natural God state. Mm. Um, where... If you could imagine... God being here as an individual and you needed to interact with them or be in their space. How you would feel, you'd feel so much welcome, so much, you know, you'd, you'd feel, there's, a, there's, a, there's an indescribable feeling that you would have being in that space. Um, and that space and that state of being has been the natural state of of humanity, uh, and that's the that's when humanity has um, moved away from fear into the space of love, uh, where the intention is to love. Uh, that's what Ubuntu is. Ubuntu mm. in Siswatu or in Nguni means a person, but it also means uh, a black person. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and it, it it's it's in this it's in this switching switchingness <laughs> of it that 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 has got that 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 unexplainability of it that that same unexplainability that mm-hmm. you'd have of God. Um, uh, uh, Ubuntu is compassion in practice. Mm. Uh, it's it's compassion in practice. It is how can I love? How can I make? I feel joy. I feel joy. Here I am. I'm Nick. I feel joy. How can I make the next person feel what I'm feeling? Mm. Uh, and that's what Ubuntu is. Uh, and other people, are, we all are, uh, I, I said this other day, we all are living the thing that we are feeling. Mm. So other people will make you feel angry because that's what they are feeling. Other people will make you feel sad because that's what they are feeling and other people will make you feel love (laughs) because that's what they are feeling 
and it's in those in 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 this high vibrational feelings that you find the values of ubuntu uh it cannot be easily explained uh, it can only you can only be it <laughs> yeah i don't know <laughs> thank you i love that i thought it was a very good explanation it's something something you said i can't exactly remember the words but something about looking at people through the eyes of god mm. or maybe seeing the god in them mm. do i understand that right i wonder why it's so deeply entrenched in you both of you you have an innate understanding of ubuntu that i in africana culture have not encountered and i wonder what why do you think it's geography do you think it's lifestyle like what why do you have this deep knowing of ubuntu that is not western you know what i mean like do you, why would that be so why did ubuntu come about in africa do either of you have something you you want to say something um what i'd say or how i would interpret it would be i don't think it's innately african mm-hmm. I do however feel like certain values in African culture bring you closer to it. Yeah, so there's uh a, a a concept by a very um famous writer Credo Mutua who speaks about the mother mind and the warrior mind that is at play in the interplay of being in 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 peopling in the peopling that has always happened there's an interplay of the mother mind and the warrior mind and so what african culture has always harbored was a lot of the virtues of the mother mind mm-hmm. and you find that r- revealed in these principles and what many of us consider ubuntu um i do however feel like the warrior mind too can practice such values but it is for the purpose in which they are practicing them that is the 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 the, the deciding factor because i feel like ubuntu is me taking care of you for my own sake rather than me taking care of me and you taking care of you mm. so me doing to you as i would love to be done unto myself is me doing good unto myself mm. so it's 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 in understanding all of these smiles that we share all of these revelations all of these lessons it's an understanding there's a thread that is through our actions through our thoughts through our work there's a thread of god <laughs> that is altruistic to me to you and to the situation uh-huh. and so ubuntu is sitting in that compassion sitting in understanding understanding how much and what it takes to be a human being and knowing that the next person is exactly there mm. 
Oh, thank you. That's so beautiful. I kind of just want to sit and inhale that. Oh, thank you both. Being here, coming here has been surprising, surprisingly healing for me. It's been like this, <laughs> the strangest, like unexpected detour. <laughs> and like something that also has felt really large for me has been the sense of not even realizing how much I was grappling with the concept of Africa, of loving this continent, loving this country, but not always feeling as if I deserve to call myself African and sort of carrying the weight of my ancestors' guilt and kind of feeling a sense of estrangement, really, from the land and from its people, and feeling that sense of, of longing to connect, not knowing if I'm allowed to. It's, it's Yeah, it's been a... It's been a journey and just our conversations have, have really felt like they broke through that for me. The sense of warmth and like mutual curiosity also was just great. So I think I'm sort of going to conclude it here, but at first I'd like to hear if either of you, both of you, have anything else you want to share. General thoughts, Nick? Yeah. I'd like to, I'd like to just remind everyone of uh, the time when we were young, before the age seven, and um, made promises to yourself that when you are older, you will da 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 to make the world better as you were looking at it and thinking, you know, there's something wrong and broken in this place. Um, we're at that age now, um, especially if you're born in the 80s and the 90s. We're at that age where we are becoming the next grown-ups, where the child is waking you up at 2 a.m. or 3 a.m. to ask, you know, what are you doing about that thing that you promised you were going to do? Um, the process of going and finding that that child's love is is a very difficult process, and there's, there's so much joy in going there and grabbing that child and bringing them to this current timeline, into this grown-up body, and to try and start beginning to fulfill those promises that you made to yourself when you were a kid. Um, just like to encourage everyone to just always follow your heart, and, 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 and in that, in doing that, what you love, you will find that child there, and there will be so much fulfillment and so much joy that, that God has, has innately put in this world for you to feel. Um, yeah, that's just, yeah, that's just what I wanted to say. I love that so much. I think there's, a, there's like an exquisite joy in doing something and going like, oh, I used to want to do this when I was a child. I am doing the thing that child me wanted to do. It's almost like a sense of fulfilling a, pro a promise. And yeah, a, a promise to yourself. Luzuko, anything you want to say? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, anything I'd like to add I'd just like to add a piece of encouragement a piece of um, my own certainty <laughs> and that is the soul's journey is worth following the soul's journey is worth following um, it's not too late 
It can't be too late. Right now is all there is. The soul's journey is our mission here. And everything else is our distraction. We find these distractions. We put them in place to kind of create a false sense of safety. And what these distractions turn out being is the prison that we ourselves create for ourselves. And so everything that the soul is demanding of us equals freedom for us. It will, for a very short period, mean that you are detached from some energies that you feel like you need. But the energy that you find, the energy that you end up embodying, the energy that you end up seeing yourself as, is the energy behind all things. And that is a power and an invigoration and a joy that can't leave you. <laughs> you can't get away from it. You lose yourself in it. And that's what our soul wants. Our soul wants to be an individual in a story of one. Thank you. Thank you both. Thank you for sharing of yourselves. It's so precious. Hello again, friends. Thank you for listening to this episode. Hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, I'd love it if you'd send me a message. Drop me a message on Instagram. Or drop me an email. All the links are in the show notes below, as is the information to Nick and Luzuko's social media profiles and Nyalungu African Retreats Instagram handle as well. Also remember that if you'd like to support me in the making of this podcast and in my future creative endeavors, you can find me on Patreon. I've linked that below as well. And I'd love it if you become part of this community in any way that you see fit. Have a beautiful day. <laughs>